Well, if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, uh, we've been talking about uh, submission. We actually, last week, began to talk about what we called mutual submission. Uh, and this week, we're going to actually talk about what that looks like inside of, of a marriage. So this is really scary for uh, me, a guy being up here talking to you, some of you women, about that. And I, last week, I said, will you please pray for me? And so I think I survived the first service, and I think I'm going to be okay in this service right here. Let me, t- let me kind of tell you about the beginning uh, for, for my own marriage. So my wife and I got married September 20th, 1980, and uh, we had an awesome, awesome wedding, and then we were off to the honeymoon, an amazing honeymoon, probably not your traditional kind of honeymoon like today, because we were just like a couple of young hippies, and, and uh, we just kind of made it up as we went along. We, we, we were living in Northern California at the time, and so we went from Lodi all the way to San Diego and back, ran out of money about, two, about a third of the way back or something like that. And so we were trying to figure that out. And we were just, we were pretty creative back then, you know. And so, you know, it, we, made it, we made it happen. So got back home after a, a really, really fun honeymoon. And on Monday, my wife went back to work uh, and I went back to work. So it was time to play house, right? This is the beginning of the marriage. And I'll never forget uh, coming home from work. So, uh, you know, she's worked an eight-hour day and I've worked however long I worked that day. And so I think she got home first and I, I walk into the apartment now, before I say what I'm going to say, let me tell you a little bit about my, my background. I grew up in a very, uh, in a certain sense, very traditional home. Think uh, Leave it to Beaver. Think, you know, um, that kind of a mom. She, she, uh, she never had a job, so she was a stay-at-home mom. Uh, and so I have certain expectations. And so I, I walked in. I didn't smell any food. I didn't see any indications that food, dinner, whatever was around. So at some point, I can't remember exactly how I said it. I said something like, hey, where's dinner? And of course, my wife gives me this incredulous look like, are you serious? I think she actually said that. She's, are you serious? And I go, <laughs> I go well, I've been working all day. She said, what do you think I've been doing? And so that was kind of the beginning. I, and I, if I recall, I, I sort of stepped back from that a little bit and kind of rethought it. I said, oh, hmm. so what are we doing for dinner anyway? You know, um, so here's the thing. You only know what you know, right? This is what was modeled for me. And, uh, and let me just say this kind of before we begin to get into our, our subject today. Sometimes we can be pretty tough on our parents, even when we're in our 30s and 40s and 50s. You know, but I have a feeling if I knew your story and I knew your parents' story, they would pretty much say the same thing. Well, that's all I knew. That's, uh, that was modeled for me, and so that's just, just the way it was. And so for me, that was the beginning of a journey all these years later, you know, learning uh, about how, how to love my wife and learning about mutual submission and how to make decisions together, especially from a biblical perspective. So uh, I was doing a little bit of research this week on things that married couples fight about. What do you, what do you think is the number one thing that married couples fight about? You guys, you guys are smart, you know. Money, right? Maybe because it could have been a fight in your house about that. I don't know. Um, here's some other things that, that, uh, that uh, couples fight about. Uh, family communication. Kids, for sure. If you have kids, that's probably going to happen. Uh, intimacy. One of the studies that I read said that infidelity is not the number one cause now of divorce. I always said money was. This, this one said it's, it's infidelity. and um, Priorities, jealousy. How about the past? Do you ever have one of those conversations? Um, chores. Weren't you supposed to? No, you were supposed to. Uh, how, about, how about the in-laws? You really do marry the family? 
um, especially around holidays. And, and, and this, this may be the worst of all. And I actually, I hate to own up to it, but I actually got caught this last week on this one here. And that is when you cheated and you watched an episode of your favorite show while they were gone. So my wife had been gone the week before, and uh, she was up north. She came back. So I, I snuck this show in. I was thinking, oh, she'll never know. And I totally forgot that, um, you know, basically Netflix and other, they rat you out because we turned it on, and, and there's that, that show, one of our favorite shows, Bull, and it says, watched. And she looks at me. She goes, you watched it. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I did. So, um, and then here's a few other ones. Um, where should we eat? You pick. Oh, this place. No, I don't want to go to that one. You ever been to that one? Um, what the, how about this one? Setting the temperature in the house. You wouldn't think that's a big deal, right? But it sure can be. You know, I come over and it's 72. No, 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 it's 75. And then, you know, you back and forth on, on that one. How, this is a crazy one. You ever argue about who's more tired? No, I'm way more tired than you. No, 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 you, you don't get it. I was, I'm exhausted. I'm beyond exhausted. Um, all right, how about this one, whether the dog is allowed in the bed? I guess that's cause for arguments in some homes. Uh, and then there's, there's, there's no words that I can actually say. I just have to show you. And this, this may have been the cause of the downfall of, of many homes right here. <laughs> that's right. Over or under? Over, of course over. Who would ever go under? I mean, really, what are you thinking? All right, let's get into this. Mutual sacrifice in marriage. Mutual sacrifice in marriage. Unity, where both individuals thrive. I go back to, to, to our marriage, my wife and I, and uh, the idea of mutual sacrifice, the word sacrifice really, you know, I, I probably said it. I probably, at that time, um, even preached it uh, as I was kind of getting into ministry. But I didn't really understand it, and it wasn't really inside of me. And so I, I, don't, I don't think I was married maybe a four weeks at the very most. And one day, my wife utters these words, and I can't remember what the situation was, but she says to me, you are selfish. And I'm like, what? What do you mean I'm selfish? And I still remember the defense that I offered to her. I said, I am not selfish. And she said, yeah, you are. And so I had just recently graduated from college, maybe about a year before that, uh, and I used to go back to my little Christian community college, and, and, and I knew everybody, and I was very, I had a lot of friends, I was very popular on that campus, and, and, and so consequently, you know, I, I had a pretty high opinion of myself. And, and so I said, well, all of my friends think I'm awesome, and they, you know, they wouldn't say that. And she said, yeah, but they're not married to you. <laughs> and I, it was kind of the beginning of self-discovery for me, the, the beginning of realizing that I actually was selfish. And, and it's been a journey. And, and as I stand before you today, it's not like I've arrived by any means. It's, it's, just, it's almost like layers coming off. As every year goes by, I'm like, you know, I'm still learning about this thing of how to live sacrificially. So mutual sacrifice in marriage is what it's really, really all about. If you have your Bibles, we are going to get right into the book of Ephesians. And we're going to read um, several verses here. So Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 21. The Apostle Paul, writing this letter. And he begins in verse 21 with where we started last week. He said, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit. If inside of a marriage in particular, if somebody doesn't submit, you get stuck. If somebody doesn't 
finally apologize. If somebody didn't say, okay, um, I feel like I'm right, but okay. And then it says, wives, let me adjust this, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. So women, please do not bolt for the doors, okay? Hang on, we're going to sort of walk you through this a little bit. Husbands, now here's what I want you to take note of really quick here. I want you to notice that there was three verses, three verses that were directed to the, uh, the wives, all right? What I want you to know is that there are now eight verses directed to the men. Why do you think that is? Could it be that we men don't listen so well? I don't know. I'm just guessing. It says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or, or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does for the church. For we are members of his body, and for this reason a man shall leave his mother, his mother and father, his father and mother, leave the basement, quit playing video games. It actually says that in the King James right here. <laughs> and uh, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And then he says, this is a profound mystery. But, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you should also must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. So we're, we're going we're to unpack this a little bit. And I know when you, when you talk about the word submission, um, it, it hits people in, in a different way. And, and, and that's why... That's really, in a serious note, this is why I asked people to pray for me this last week. Because for, for a man to stand up in front of a bunch of, of women uh, and say, and even use the word submission, is it, kind, of, kind of dangerous these days in, in some ways. And so here's the first thing that I want to do, is I want to apologize for uh, church churches and teachings about submission that were more about control than anything else. And I have to say, um, speaking about churches, you know, and even churches that I've been involved with, that was kind of the deal. And unfortunately, women, a lot of women, a lot of wives suffered under that kind of teaching. You know, there was the, you have to do what I'm telling you to do. Did you not read that scripture completely taken out of context and not completely understood? Mutual submission is foundational to every healthy relationship. Notice I said mutual. So it's not about the me we talked about this last week. It's about the we. It's not about so it benefits me. It's so that it benefits and it helps both of us. And, and Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22, it says, And God placed all things under his feet, him being Christ, and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church. So if we're going to do this in a biblical way, then what it means like for Karen and myself and our marriage as we come in is, is that I say, okay, we are under not just Steve Bombacci, but we are under the leadership of Jesus Christ. And so any decisions that we, that we make, we do it together. We'll talk about that. But we're, we're under the headship of Jesus Christ in our, in our family as, as well. And there's this, this submission factor that, that's a part of that. So God's design for marriage actually honors the value of both people. Of, of both people. Now, it's, not, it's not just about 
one or not about the other. It's, it's for, for a husband and wife. So husbands, I'm going to talk to you husbands first. Even though it was reversed in the Bible, I want to start with the men, and then we'll work towards the wives. Husbands are called to demonstrate sacrificial love for their, their wives. Um, this is what it says in Ephesians 5.25. Husband, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, here's the question. How much did Christ love the church? Well, he went all the way to the cross. And who is the church? It's not a building. It's you. It's me. So we know that, that Jesus loved the church so much that he was willing to go all the way to the cross and die for people that were anything but perfect. And, and when you think about it, um, for those of you that are married, and by the way, as I'm speaking, I want to invite all of you into this uh, teaching and, and conversation because even if you're single, you're in a position to help other people. Even if you're single, you might get married one day. Even if you're in between marriages, you know, uh, listen in. I was talking to a person in the first service, and they said, man, I just wish that I'd known this before. You know, they're, they're just going through a divorce. It's pretty gnarly. But, um, but these, are, these are biblical teachings that'll, that'll help you a lot. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. So he loved the church all the way to the cross. So how much should we love each other in, in, in marriage, even though we are imperfect? I, I know that uh, my wife and I, when we got married, she discovered that I was imperfect very quickly. Okay, it just, just happened. And I know that you all know that. You got married, and you were in, in what, how long did the infatuation last? Some of you, maybe it was really blissful if you were really lucky for a year. But at some point, you discovered that, you know, they, they left their socks in the wrong place, and, and there's all those other irritating habits that they had. And, and pretty soon, it was like, man, you just drive me crazy. And the things that we used to agree about, now we fight about. Um, and, and you just, you have to sort of, you know, move forward uh, and, and love that person all the way through the marriage and love them even more. So God's model requires a husband to elevate his wife's interest above his own. How do, how, do, how do you do that? Guys, how do we do that? How do we elevate our wife's interest even above our own? Let me talk to you about women for a second, okay? Not like I'm an expert on this. But I read some words from an expert. Her name is Christine Kane. In fact, I think my wife, Karen, you led a book through this, didn't you? Yeah. And so I want to quote her um, in something that she said, which I thought was so insightful. So you guys, listen up. She said, every woman that I've ever met feels a deep underlying feeling that I'm not enough. Not pretty enough not thin enough, not kind enough, not gracious enough, not disciplined enough. And at the same time, women feel that they're too much, too emotional, too needy, too sensitive, too opinionated, too much for men. This feeling is a universal companion of women, not enough and too much. It haunts us. It nips at our heels, feeding on our deepest fear that we will end up abandoned and alone. Women just want to be chosen. I don't know. I think that's very, very, very insightful. Husband, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And, and if, if we understand that um, about our wives, it's going to really help us to, to, to honor them. It's going to really help us in, in our relationship with them. So God's model requires a husband to elevate his wife's interest above his own. Let me tell you about one of the ways that, that 
I personally have done that, and I think it's a real practical way. And, and, and husbands and, and men, be thinking about it. What would that look like for you? So for me, at some point, as I've often said, my wife uh, is gifted with words, many words. And, and so um, when I would come home from a long day in time, sometimes I have one appointment after the other, and I just, just words and words and words. And so I'm a little tired of words, but um, you know, I come in. And so for a long time, and it really it was many, many years, uh, I, just, the first, I would just walk right past her and, and go turn something on or, or read a newspaper or something like that. And, and I realized at some point that, that she wanted to engage and she wanted to talk. And, and, and if you don't know this, guys, and, and you, maybe you do, maybe you don't, and that is when a woman wants to talk, when a wife wants to talk, it's not like the way we like to talk sometimes, guys. Because sometimes when we get asked a question, we just report. We're like good reporters, right? Uh, how was your day? Good. One word. Oh, okay. Anything else? No. All right. So that's just reporting. Or, or you know, uh, did that deal go through? Yeah. Oh, okay. So a woman wants connection. She, she's not just like say, well, okay, you gave me an answer, and you know, maybe it was the right answer, but that's not what I'm looking for. I'm, I'm looking for some connection. I'm, I'm looking for some rapport here. And so when I would come home, and I'm still working on this, believe me, um, you know, it's like I begin to just talk to my wife. And I, I begin to not just talk to her, but I begin to listen to her like I'd never listened before. And she oftentimes, and she can verify this back there, she oftentimes accused me of not listening and I, I had to have to plead guilty that there was a lot of times that I, I didn't. And so I, I've learned to listen to her. And in listening to my wife, I, I've entered kind of into a new season of, of, of really kind of enjoying her in, in a whole different way, just kind of discovering her world, discovering more what, what she loves, what she, she cares about. And it, it, it's, just been, it's just been awesome for our marriage. There's just no other way to describe it. And, and so, husbands, what would that be for you if you came home Tired as you are, you know, uh, and, and chances are your wife works like my wife works, and, and my wife has worked almost our entire marriage. Uh, but still, you say, well, let's just talk. It, might, it would be a sacrifice, but I think it would really, really bless your marriage. A husband to elevate his wife's interest above his own. What if, when if we made, or when if you and I made our, our, our wives uh, kind of the centerpiece of, of, and, and elevated into the status of above ourselves. Well, what would that look like? Yeah, I, I realize, and I'm sort of confessing here as I stand here, that, that, that for many years, I, my ego was right in the middle of a lot of, of who I am. And really, what I had to do to actually honor my wife and, and love my wife the, the way that Jesus asked me to do it was just to get my big, fat ego out of the way. I think of the words of, of John the Baptist. John the Baptist, manly man, big beard, eats locusts right? It's just like gnarly dude. And he's, and he's out there, and at some point in his life, he said to, about Jesus, he, says, he must increase, and I must decrease. And he, he says it like he really means it. Like, I want, I want to elevate his status. It's not about me anymore. Guys, what if we took that approach with our wives? And we said, it, it, it's not about me so much. I, it, I want to elevate her. I, I want my wife, Karen, to shine. I want people to see who she really is. And sometimes I just need to get out of the way of that. What, what does that look like for you in, in, in your marriage? Ephesians 5.23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. 
Now, those words don't mean that we just get to take control. That's right. Did you read those words? Husband's the head of the wife. So, no. It means that our responsibility is, is, is a great responsibility. I think back to the, the original marching orders kind of uh, for marriage. So if you go all the way back to the, to the book of Genesis, and by the way, before I even get there, those words that I read to you out of Ephesians chapter 5, you may have listened to those and thought, well, it's kind of old school. Yeah, you know, this is 2018 after all. We've come a long way. We've made a lot of advancements. And so when I hear those words, yeah, I'm not quite sure how to respond to that. But if you had lived in the first century and you were a woman and you would have heard those words, you would have been beside yourself with almost unbelief. You would have thought, that's the most radical counterculture thing I've ever heard. Because in the first century, women basically had no rights. They were seen, not heard. And when Paul comes out and says, Husbands, I'm going to raise the bar really high. Love your wives like Christ loved the church. Love your wives as much as you love yourself. I mean, the men had to be beside themselves too. Like, what? You've just changed everything. And then going back all the way to the book of, of Genesis, have you ever thought the, about the original couple that got married, you know, Adam and Eve? I don't know what that marriage ceremony must have looked like. It must have been pretty cool. But, but, but how, how does that play out? Well, the first thing that Adam does is he says, well, I'm going to take care of you. So he starts working a garden. Got to take care of the wife, right? And the next thing that he does is he takes Eve and he presents her to God. He leads his wife in a spiritual way towards God. That's, guys, that's what we've been called to do. We've actually been called, when we talk about leadership, we're talking about spiritual leadership. Maybe once in a while, taking your wife's hand and say, hey, let's pray about this. Let's talk about this. Maybe if you have kids, maybe you're doing that in a family kind of way. You know, the next thing that Adam does, and I love this, he romances his wife. He is the first one recorded in the Bible to write a poem to his wife. Guy, that, that says something to us. It says that, that when we're done hunting, and you got her, and she said, I do, and the ring's on her finger, it's not over. It's just the beginning. It's, it, it's, it's dating your wife. It's pursuing your wife into the 10th year end of the 15th year, end of the 25th year, however long you're married, you just continue to pursue your wife. Ephesians 5.28 says this, In the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. Huh. Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Um, I've got to tell you a little secret about myself. I really like my body. I really do, and I really take care of it. I really take care of it. In fact, I take vitamins every day. I eat pretty healthy foods. I quit eating a lot of junk food a long time ago because I like to feel good. Um, I mean, I do everything that I can to feel good and to look good and, and just to enjoy my life. So I'm kind of about that. But here's, here's what, what the Apostle Paul is telling me, and if you, us guys, us husbands and He's saying, so I, I kind of understand that. That's why I'm telling you this. As much as you take care of yourself, you should take care of your wife as much as you take care of yourself. That's a tall order. Now, if you don't take care of yourself, okay, guys, start taking care of yourself and then take care of your wife as well. <laughs> All right? Now, we're going we're to switch. So I've been talking to the husbands. Let's talk to the wives now. This is a scary part for me right here. 
Wives are called to submit to their husbands, not in the way the culture defines it. Look at as Christ followers, as, as Bible-believing people, we never, ever take our cues from the culture. I mean, after all, after all this is a culture that is made up of people uh, that divorce at the rate of about, 60, about 60% from last time I checked, of people end up getting divorced. So it, it's not very successful. And so when we say, well, I'm looking to the culture to give me my cues about what, what, you know, how I should be married and what marriage looks like, you're looking at the wrong place. We're looking at the original place where marriage was, was thought of and created, and that's from God. So it says, submit to your husbands, but not in the way that culture defines it. One of the, one of the conversations that I often have with, um, with men, uh, every once in a while, I'll talk to a guy who's been with a, a woman for sometimes, you know, five years, 12 years, and, and they, won't, they just won't get married. And, and so that's kind of always an interesting conversation. And I'll, I'll say, so why, why is it that you won't get married? How come you can't pull the trigger? What, what is it? And generally speaking, it's Everybody I know that's married is unhappy. Everybody, and, and it was modeled for me horribly, and it was just terrible in my house, and therefore I can't, can't get married. But I, but I wonder if some of those people have ever been around a godly marriage, like a marriage that really works, a marriage where two people are really committed to Christ. Now, having said that, I do not have the perfect marriage. Karen, I mentioned before, Karen and I have been married for 38 years. Year 14, we almost, almost didn't survive that year. That was a really bad year for our marriage. And that's a, that's a different sermon for a different time. So there's, there's, there's been some bumps along the way. But the one thing that has kept us together all these years is Christ. I can say that, that he is the one who's, who, who's got us through. Ephesians 5, 21, 22, it says, Submit one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands, as you do to the Lord. Um, husband and wife go to the doctor, and uh, so the, the wife is in the waiting room, and uh, the doctor comes out, and the doctor has this sort of concerned look on his face. And, and the wife says, is, is everything okay? And the doctor says, unfortunately, no. Your husband is very, very ill. And, and so the wife says, well, so what does this mean? He says, well, as a matter of fact, he, he could live for a few more years, but here's what's going to be required. Are you ready for this? And she said, yeah. He says, well, you're, you're going to have to, first of all, you are going to have to wait on him hand and foot. You're going to have to give this guy three square meals every day. You're, you're, you're going to have to clean the house spotless because he has this immune deficiency thing going on, and, and so you've got to just keep the place looking perfect and germs away. And so every day you're going to have to clean that house. And, and, and then you're going to have to give him back rubs. Fact, sometimes you're going to have to give him a full body massage every day for him, him to go on. And, and, and you're going to have, there's certain foods that you're going to have to cook up for him. And so she's listening. So finally he says, so uh, do you want me to tell him? She goes, no, I, I got this one. So she walks into the room. She looks at her husband, and she's got tears coming down her eyes. And she says, honey, you're going to die. Look at women, wives, you're not going to die if you submit. You're really not. But, but if you understand the biblical meaning of it, you'll understand that, that it's actually a beautiful thing. It's, it's, it's an honoring thing. Just as the Son of Man, this is the way Jesus sort of modeled it. He says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came and he said, look, it, I, I didn't come to lead. I came to actually serve. I wanted to show you what, what, what it means, what it, what it looks like. 
And Jesus submitted his life all the days that, that he lived. Now, now here's the thing. If a, if a marriage is going to work, you can't have two leaders. That, that's just not going to work. You can't have two followers because that's really weird. And so, so the question is, how, how are you going to work that out? Who's in, and this is probably maybe the lingering question that maybe a lot of wives and a lot of women have. So how does that work? Who actually leads? How do you make that determination? How do you make that call? Is it, if I understand the Bible correctly, is it saying, well, since the man is the man of the house, he takes the lead in everything? No, that's not actually in a 2018 uh, context in our culture today it would actually look quite different. If the, if I'm, I, I believe with all my heart that if the Apostle Paul was standing up here right now, he would use different words to talk about what that looks like today in our marriages. And so here's, here's, here's what I'm going to tell you about my own marriage. I'll just give myself an example. So when Karen and I got married, not too long after, we had to make a decision about who was going to do the finances. And that's a whole lot of power right there, right? If you control you know, that, that's like, oh, all right. Um, well, here's what I know about my wife, and she's good with numbers. I think she, she was an accountant at one point, and she's just good with numbers. And, and I'm not real good with numbers. I wish I was. I'm, I'm more with words. And so anyway, she, um, I, I just deferred to her. I said, babe, why don't you take care of the finances? And besides that, they just stress me out. And she said, got it covered. Now, is there anything wrong with that? No. Why? Because she's better at that than I am. And then another thing that Karen's really good at is she's, I call her the social director of our house. I mean, the woman likes to party. That's all there is to it. And she knows how to throw a party. And you know what? I am a, just a colossal failure at throwing. I love to go to parties. Please invite me to your parties. I love to do it. But, but I don't know how to throw a party. And so I defer to her on that. Now, when it comes to cars, I take care of the cars. I grew up around cars. My dad had a business, and, and so I know cars pretty well. I, I take care of that. Uh, in, anything mechanical inside the house, I uh, hate to say it, but Karen actually kind of takes care of that because I'm really, really unmechanical outside of cars. Um, we just had a little incident like a day ago or even this morning, and it was just a stapler, and I broke it. And I'm, I'm like, I'm just doing it. And I handed it to her, and 30 seconds later, she had it fixed. So I just... You know, you defer to the one who has the gift, and it, you know, everything just works better. Now, it could even be that there are seasons of your life where one person, maybe the wife for some season, takes a lead in the family because of circumstances. And then maybe you'll, you'll switch off a little bit. But I would, I would think that logically the best thing is to get the best person in the best position who has the most gift and talents. Does that make sense, do you think? Okay, all right. Not giving me much. Verse 533, however, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Now, we need to talk about this respect thing for a second. So, so ladies, um, what you need to know about us guys is that respect is our love language. I mean, it really is. When, 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 when you disrespect us, it's like, it's like standing on our oxygen hose. It just cuts us off. And, and because we, we just want to feel validated. We want to feel like, hey, you know, you, you love us because we have what it takes. We like to think we have what it takes. But, but, but when, when our wife in particular says something that undercuts all of that, it just it's, it takes the wind right out of us. I say that because I don't know how many times I've been, I'm not pointing at anybody in particular, but I, I get around couples, and, 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 and uh, the wife sometimes is just dissing on her husband, talking about, you know, just saying things right in front of him. And I'm thinking to myself, this poor guy. 
you know, if, if his wife knew how he was feeling right now, she would never, ever say this. And some of the reference, you know, like he's the old man, the old bag, you know, heard that kind of stuff before. I, I could say this. In 38 years of being married to my wife, she's never, ever dishonored me that way. She's never disrespected me that way. And let me tell you, there have been times when I was not worth honoring. Seriously. But she honored me anyway. She respected me anyway. Uh, and that, that just means so much to me. I think it does to you guys too. So, wives, respect. In fact, if you want to know more about this book right here, Karen and I were actually in a couple of life groups, and this book here came out in 2004. It's one of the best books I've ever, ever read about marriage, love and respect. Uh, really, respect is our, that's our love language for women, love, and you could read the book, get in a group, and learn all, all about that, and we'll understand each other so much better. We'll know how to care for each other inside of a, a marriage. Wives can more easily follow husbands who are servant leaders like, like Jesus. So back to the husbands for a second. Guys, you say, well, I'm the leader. Mm. But are you leading like Jesus? Are you leading sacrificially? You see, here's the thing, guys. The Bible says we actually do wear a crown. But it's a crown of thorns. It's sacrifice. That's what we've been called to. That's why eight verses were spent on us and three on the ladies. It's a high calling, man. It is a high calling. Husbands inspire respect from their wives when we choose unconditional love. And so I want to leave you with this. How can I make it better? How can I lead better? If you're the husband, if you're the man, how, how can I get the most out of my marriage and bless my wife and honor my wife and put her interests first. That's, that's whew, wow. Our culture doesn't work that way, but the Bible does. And if you, have, if you want to have an amazing marriage, it's really about that. And, 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 and wives, are you ready to follow a man like that? Would it be hard to follow a man who is willing to lay his life down for you? I don't think so. So let's just for a moment, let's, let's just bow our heads and, and let's, let's pray. I, I, I know that at any given time, because I, I read the studies, that about a third of the marriages in a church are in absolute crisis. Many times, divorce papers are on the way. Separation, all those things. And so that tells me that probably in this room right now, there's people and their marriages are in, it's, it's in a tough place. And my, my prayer this morning is that you would reconsider. My prayer is this morning is, is, is that you can have that conversation about what, is, what, is, what does it really, really look like for both of you to be mutually submitted to one another under Christ? What would that be like? How about a do-over? How about, how about talking about things that, you're afraid to talk about, maybe for the first time. Going out and reaching out and getting some help. And I, All week long I've been thinking about this. All week long I've been praying about this because I know today is a day that maybe at least one marriage could be saved. One relationship, maybe one family brought back together. But it's going to take courage. So Lord, Bring clarity in this moment to the person who needs it. 
Help them to know what the next step would be for them. Help them to know that there's always hope. With you, there's always, always hope. God, make our marriages strong. Help us guys sacrificially love our wives and to be the kind of guys that that are worth respecting. Help our wives to be willing to follow. And to love. Lord, I pray for every marriage in here. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.